the irony is that last night when I planned out what I was going to wear, I had already planned on wearing this shirt. Because baseball season's getting started. How many are baseball fans? Wow. I'm amongst my people here. Yesterday, I got my uh, my first tickets for a Giants game. We're going April 9th. I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah? Man, you guys are great. Are there any other Dodger fans? Are there any other Dodger fans in here? Okay, you need to be escorted out. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's great to see you guys here. I'm, it, I'm, I'm so glad that uh, the weather's warming up. With the weather warming up, how many of you guys like to go swimming? Any of you guys like swimming? Okay. So my wife's grandma, she has a large pool in her backyard. And as the, as the weather warms up, we go over there and we hang out. And my wife loves to swim. Um, so she's never seen a pool that she doesn't like. She loves swimming. Now, I'm more the guy. I rather, I'm the person that rather sit on the side of the pool, have a cold drink in my hand, hanging out, enjoying the weather. I'm the guy that I don't really like getting in the pool. Anybody else like me? You'd rather stay out of the pool for you guys? Unless it's over 100 degrees. Because over 100 degrees, my sanity's on the line, so I get in the pool just for sanity purposes. But my, grandma, my, my wife's grandma's pool, there are two ends to the pool. She has the shallow end, and she has the deep end. Now, on those rare days that I get in the pool, anybody have a guess what end of the pool I like to hang out in? The shallow end. Because the shallow end is comfortable. The shallow end, I don't have to work at all. I actually can swim, but if I get in the pool and I get in the deep end, I have to really work to try to keep my head above water. I don't exactly have a, a, a swimmer's body. The shallow end is it's safe. The shallow end isn't risky. It's comfortable. It's controlled. And honestly, I kind of like my life comfortable too. I kind of like my life controlled. And if I was a little bit more honest, I like my faith experience like I like my swimming experience. I like my faith experience to be comfortable. I like my ever take is first initiated by a faithful God. I just can't. I'm just going to wait for Matt. Cool. You're the man. Thanks. I'm trying to focus. I'm like, okay. Every step of faith you'll ever take on your spiritual journey is first initiated by a faithful God. Whether you've been a Christian for a long time, or maybe you're not a Christian at all. But on the flip side of that, every step of faith we refuse to take indicates what we really believe about God. Every step of faith outside of our comfort zone that we refuse to take, it indicates what we really believe about God. Because what we do shows what we believe. We may say what we think, but we do what we believe. I've always thought, for example, I've always thought it would be cool to run a marathon. I thought it'd be cool, it'd be cool to do that. Um, anybody ever ran a marathon in here? Okay, a few, a few crazy people in, in the house today. Just kidding. So we were hanging out with some friends this week. And, and she was telling us about all these marathons that she's ran and all these half marathons that, that she's ran before. Um, irony, we were actually uh, hanging out at, at Coltstown um, as she was telling us this. She was telling us she's going to do this half marathon in April. And we walked out to her car, and she had all these bumper stickers of all these different places she's ran and things she's done. And in my mind, I was thinking, 
that'd be so cool to run a marathon. She's talking, and I'm having images in my mind of me running through the finish line like this. Sweat dripping off my brow. Um, People cheering me on. And I'm like, man, this would be awesome. But there's a problem. I like the idea of running, but I don't actually like to run. I I don't actually want to do the work to train to do a marathon. It's like I think about it, but let's be honest, I don't really believe it. And we sometimes hear inspiring stories about people that have taken steps of faith. We sometimes hear inspiring stories about God has used people who have gotten out of their comfort zone. Maybe you've been in a small group or maybe you watched a video or, or, or maybe something you've heard something, Gary's preached something here where you're like, man, that is awesome. You read a book and, and you're so inspired. And while we may say what we think, we do what we actually believe. And, and whether in our lives we're willing to take a step of faith a step outside of our comfort zone, reveals what we truly believe about God. This takes us to Matthew chapter 25. It's interesting. I know you guys have been going through Matthew, um, but you probably already know this, but Matthew is very interesting because Matthew wrote Matthew. And before he was a, a follower of Jesus, Matthew was actually a tax collector. Before he met Jesus, Matthew was not a religious person at all. In fact, Matthew was um, really the opposite of the religion of the day. He was somebody that would literally embezzle money from people. But Jesus came to him. And what that shows is that there is nobody that's too far from the reach of Jesus. There's nobody that is too far from his love, as we were singing about. And maybe you're in here and... And you don't identify yourself as a religious person. You, don't, you certainly don't identify yourself as a Christian. But I want you to know this. That no matter where you are in your life, you are not too far out of the reach of God. And in, in the first century, Matthew would have been somebody that people would look at and say, there's no way he'd ever follow Jesus. But Jesus came to him because Jesus loved him. And Jesus comes to all of us because he loves us and because he is for us. You might be in here and you might think, man, the, the, the gospel, that, that's just good advice. That, you know, this, but really what the gospel is, it's not good advice. It's good news. It's good news to broken people, to bad people, because if we're honest, we're all pretty bad, messed up people. We're in Matthew chapter 25 this morning, and we're going to read uh, verse number 14. Um, we will start our reading today. Again, thank you guys so much for having me back. I'm, I'm so thankful that, that Gary invited me. I'm glad you guys, I would say you guys invited me. I guess I did say that. You didn't really have a choice. You just kind of got to put up with me. Um, but Gary invited me back. And I think it's so great um, that Gary's away. He's come apart for a little bit because I think everybody needs a vacation. I heard one person, uh, one person told me, they said, if you don't come apart, eventually you will come apart. If you don't come apart from your regular life and everything going on, eventually your life will come apart. So I think it's great that Gary's away. I think it's great you guys let him get away. Um, you guys have a great pastor, and he's really helped me over the last several months as I've gotten to know him. So Matthew chapter 25, uh, verse number 14. The scripture reads, Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. Let's all say entrusted. Ready? Entrusted. 
he entrusted his wealth to them. To one servant, he gave five bags of gold. To another, he gave two bags. And to another, one bag. So you have a man here, somebody that is wealthy, somebody that um, has some servants. And he's going on a trip for a very, very long time. And what he does is he calls his servants in and he decides he's going to entrust them with his wealth. Now, the word entrust here is a very significant word in this passage because by entrusting his wealth to them, what he's doing is he's expecting these men, these servants, whatever they, whoever they were, he was expecting them to manage his wealth the way he would manage his wealth. So he's not giving them this money to protect it or to guard it or to keep it safe. He entrusts this to them and he says, I want you to do with my wealth what I would do with it. So he gives one guy five bags, one guy two bags, and another one one bag. Now, in, in the NIV, it's translated bags of gold, but in other translations, it's used the word talent. And the talent, a talent is a large sum of money. In fact, one talent, one bag of gold, is equivalent to 20 years' wages. So when he's giving this servant five talents, five bags of gold, what he's giving him is more money than he would earn in his entire life. So he's entrusting him with quite a bit of money. He's entrusting him with a whole lot of wealth. No doubt this is more money than this servant has ever seen in his life. No doubt this is more money than this servant has ever had. And he's entrusting them with this money. Let's just say for argument's sake that that one year's wages, let's say $50,000. Let's just say that. So in this story, he gives one guy five talents, $5 million. Another guy, two talents, $2 million. Another guy, one talent, $1 million, one bag of gold. This isn't like 20 bucks that he has sitting around in his pocket. This is a significant amount of money. This is what he does. He calls his servants. He gives, he entrusts them this money. Now, verse 16. The man who received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work. And what happened? He gained five bags more. Hey, I want to entrust my money to that guy. Verse 17. So also, the one with two bags of gold, he did the exact same thing. He gained two more. He doubled what had been entrusted to him. Verse number 18. But the man who received one bag went off. He dug a hole in the ground and he hid his master's money. The servant with one talent, he just hid it in the ground. Verse 19, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. So the master comes back after a while. We don't know if that's 10 years or 30 years or 50 years. We don't know. But we do know is he has gone on a long journey. He comes back to settle the accounts. He comes back to his servants and says, hey, I've entrusted this to you. Now, what have you done with what I've entrusted you with? what the first guy was thinking. Hey, I haven't lost it. I, I protected it. I guarded it. Verse number 20, we're at. The man who received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master. You entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share the master's happiness. 
The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Um, Come and share your master's happiness. Verse 24. Then the man who received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you're a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown, and gathering where you have not scattered. So I was afraid, went out, and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. The guy says, this one talent, the reason why this is what I did with it is really because it's your fault, Master. Because you're unloving. Because you're not kind. Because you're not for me. Because you're oppressive. Have you ever blame shifted before? When, when, um, when I was growing up, my parents would go on, they would, on Sunday afternoons after church, they would always take a nap. How many of you guys understand uh, a Sunday afternoon nap is like the 11th commandment in the Bible? Absolutely, right? So they would take a nap, and I have a younger sister. She's uh, two years younger than me. What they would do is while they would take a nap, we had a responsibility. We were entrusted with washing the dishes and cleaning up, cleaning up the kitchen. Okay, so we had to empty the dishwasher, wash the dishes, everything went along with that, put the food away. And I can think of, uh, I can think of more than one occasion where my parents woke up from their nap, and they walked down the hallway, and the dishes were not done. So, of course, I'm the innocent one. Of course, I never did anything wrong. And I would often get asked, because I'm the older brother, how come the dishes didn't get done? I never did anything wrong, so guess what I did? It was, of course, it was my sister's fault, the reason why the dishes didn't get done. And mom would say, no, 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 this is your guys' job. So you have to take care of it. And I'm saying, Mom, I didn't do anything. We had an agreement. I was going to watch TV. And Mom wasn't having it. Because Mom's like, no, I entrusted this to you. This is what the servant does in this story. He says, the reason why I haven't done anything which you've given me is because it's your fault, Master. It's because you're hard. It's because you're mean. It's because you're a cruel taskmaster look at let's look at the response that the master says he says you're a wicked you wicked lazy servant welcome back master so you you knew that i harvest where i have not sown and gather where i have not scattered seed well then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when i returned i would have received it back with interest verse 28 so take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags for whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance whoever does not have even what they have will be taken from them the master he is taken back you were not faithful with what i had given you it's interesting the servant wasn't rebuked for his action he was rebuked for his inaction the servant wasn't rebuked for what he did. He was rebuked for what he didn't do. 
It wasn't that, that, that the master was, was like, oh, man, you did all these wrong things. No, no, no. He was rebuked that there were something that he didn't do. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. He says, now it is required, um, now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. Paul says, if you've been entrusted with something by God, that it is required that you be faithful. Verse number 30, back in Matthew chapter 25, it says, And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of, t- gnashing of teeth. I was thinking about this story this week, and it kind of gave me some pause for reflection, because this servant, the last servant, it's not like he was wasteful. It's not like he went to Cash Creek and spent all his money. It's not like he went and spent it all on drugs or something. He didn't say, well, now I'm taking vacations all around. He, he didn't do that. In fact, he didn't spend any of it on himself. He gave back exactly to the master what he had been given. says that was the problem. It wasn't what he did. But he didn't do. We're going to see two observations this morning. Before we do, I want us to have a word of prayer. Lord, as we look at Matthew chapter 25, as we see just two observations about a man, a servant, who, about his inaction, and then two servants' action, I pray that you would stir in our hearts Something where we see who you are. We see your faithfulness. We see your goodness. Respond in faith to that. Lord, I pray for some of us that, Lord, maybe we have a distorted view of you. Maybe it's because of just some events in our life. Maybe it's because of something that's happened to us. Maybe it's because our our view isn't a just an accurate view of you. I pray that you would take the blinders off of our eyes. Thank you that I can be in this great church. Thank you that you're allowing me to proclaim your truth to these people. Open our hearts in Jesus' name. Here's the observations. Observation number one. Observation number one is the inaction of the servant. Is the inaction of the last servant. I'm sure when he was given this bag of gold, he thought it was risky to do something other than to hold on to the bag of gold. Because when you invest something, you run a risk of losing losing it. You lose control of it what if things go bad and he ends up with nothing so maybe in his mind he thinks it's it's better to cling on to what he had rather than take a risk so what he did was he held on to this he he wasn't willing to get out of his comfort zone he wasn't willing um, to take any risks and it was this idea of it was his inaction that he was rebuked a lot of times we think that sin it's just something that we do, right? Sin is, sin is anything we say, think, or do that, that breaks God's law, but it's also building our life on something other than God. So it's building our life on something other than God. Maybe, maybe you're in here, and you're, you're just learning about Christianity, and you're like, this whole, this whole idea of sin, I'm pretty uncomfortable with it. But the idea is, if we're honest, we all know that we, we sin. I mean, you think about this. We can't even keep our own rules, much less God's rules. But a lot of times we think sin is just things that we do. Maybe we, um, we tell a lie or we steal something or we say things we should, we shouldn't say. But in this story, we see sin is not just an action, but it can also be an inaction. 
And the reason for this servant's inaction was because he thought his master was unloving. He thought his master was oppressive. He thought that his master was out to get him. And when his master came back, he had nothing to show for the bag of gold he had been entrusted with because in his view, his inaction was because his view of his master was wrong. Now, our second observation, let's compare this with the action of the first two servants. Imagine what was going through the first two servants' mind when they were entrusted with all this money. They're thinking, oh my goodness, I have more money than I've ever had in my entire life. I have more resources than I've ever had. The master's entrusting this to me. I better do something. I better steward what I've been given. Because what was happening was the master was giving them an opportunity that they wouldn't have otherwise. The master wasn't giving them these resources because they were smart and they were attractive. He wasn't giving them all these resources because of anything that they had done. No, it was a gift to them because the master was a good master. The master was a faithful master and the master was entrusting these things to them. And they had to make a choice. They had to make a choice. If they were going to take what was entrusted to them and take a step of faith and get out of their comfort zone. You think about Scripture, right? If you look, if you look at Scripture, Scripture is filled with people that God called to get out of their comfort zone. Okay? Think about Moses in Exodus. Before going to, to Pharaoh's throne... Pharaoh could have killed him on the spot. He went to Pharaoh's throne and said, oh yeah, all the slaves, you need to let them go. That was risky. Think about David and Goliath. Okay, the the classic story of David and Goliath. David had no idea that Goliath wasn't going to smite him. He just knew that that he wanted to take a stand and he didn't want God's name to be mocked. So he was just going to go out there and fight a a a big giant. How's that for risk? You think about Gideon. Remember when, when God called Gideon in Judges and, and God said, hey, I want you to go lead all these people. Gideon's like, Jesus, God, you have, you've got the wrong guy. I'm fearful. I'm scared. I'm the least of these. But God wanted him to get out of his comfort zone because Gideon was happy where he was. Think about Queen Esther. Think about Queen Esther in, in the book of Esther. She went before the king to plead for the lives of her people. And this is what she says in Esther uh, chapter 4. She says, if I perish, then I perish. You think about Paul in the New Testament, who wrote half of the New Testament that we have. He traveled around sharing the gospel. He went to places where he had never been before. He went to roads that weren't safe. He didn't have GPS. He didn't know what the traffic was like. He couldn't Google how mean people are to Christians in these cities. He couldn't do that. He couldn't send out emails. He just went and shared his faith but what did all these people do they realized that god had entrusted them with something and because of that they took a step of faith because steps of faith in their lives were first initiated by a faithful god so here we check this out what did god give moses god gave moses a vision to lead the children of israel out of egypt what did god give gideon God gave him boldness. God said, this is who you are. This is your identity. What did God give David? God gave him a calling to go and be the king of Israel. What did God give Esther? God entrusted Esther a position of authority that nobody else had. What did God give Paul? God gave Paul 
the gospel. And this is what these people did. They said, God, you've entrusted me with this. You have been faithful to me. So because of that, these things may be scary. But I am willing to take a step out of my comfort zone because you have been faithful and you have entrusted these things to me. I remember growing up, um, my mom sometimes would tell me to go to the grocery store and she would have me go and pick up something where that was like a couple apples or whatever. She was cooking something and she, she needed something else for the recipe and I'd go pick it up. So she'd give me some money and I'd go to the grocery store and half the time I'd get the right thing and half the time I wouldn't. But I'd go there and I was thinking when my mom would give me this money, I could have gone to the money, I could have gone to the store and I could have bought some candy. I could have bought some ice cream. Goodness, I could have just bypassed the grocery store and just gone to McDonald's and gotten me a milkshake or something. But my mom entrusted me not only with that money, but she entrusted me with her car. She entrusted me with the insurance. She entrusted me with the gas. Of course, she paid for all that. And she gave all these things to me out of her faithfulness. And she said, hey, would you just go to the store and pick up these things? And all I was doing was responding to the faithfulness and everything she had already done for me. In every step of faith you will ever take in your life, because steps of faith are hard, because steps of faith are difficult, steps of faith require a little bit of commitment. Every step of faith you will ever take in your spiritual journey is something that God first initiated. Think about Romans chapter 8. Romans 8 says this, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced, here's the list, I'm convinced that neither death nor life neither angels nor demons, neither present nor future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's just say that last verse. I mean, it's just awesome. I look at that verse and I'm like, I think like Paul was writing it and he's like, let me think of every possible thing I can write here to show that nothing will separate you from God's love. And let me put it down here. Let's read this last verse together, okay? Verse, uh, verse thir- is it on the screen? Perfect. Um, verse, 30, verse 38. Th- 38 and 39. Let's read it together. Ready? For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. When you look at what Jesus has done on the cross of Calvary, the cross of Calvary is where Jesus gave his life for us, for all of our sins. And Jesus gave his life so you can have a relationship with God and a home in heaven. And the scripture says when we put our faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross, 
that all of our sins are taken away and we have a relationship with God when we put our faith in him and him alone. And when you look at what Jesus did on the cross for us, we didn't deserve it. There's only one thing, there's only one sensible thing to do is like, be overwhelmed. Look at what you've done for me. Look at how faithful you are. And when you realize how much Jesus loves you, it only makes sense to let him lead you. When you realize how much Jesus loves you, it only makes sense to let him lead you. Now, you're like, yeah, absolutely. But what about when we have to get out of our comfort zone when he leads us out? What do we do when, when we look at the scripture and then we look at our life and, and something doesn't match up? What do we do when somebody encourages us to take a step in our commitment to the local church or maybe actually like come to church every week? Or I mean, What do we do? I want you to think for a second. Where is God leading you to take a step in your faith? Philippians chapter 1 says this. It says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you, in your life, will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. For all of us in this room, to a certain extent, God has given us all three things to steward. God has entrusted all of us with three things. He's entrusted us with our time, with our talent, and with our treasure. So we all have time. Now, sometimes it, sometimes it seems like time goes by so fast. You know, it's like end of March, we're already 25% of the way through 2019. I'm like, Christmas was last week. <laughs> we all have time. We all have talent. Everybody in here has talent. God's gifted all of us with talent. And we all have treasure. Some have more treasure than the other, but we all have some type of, tre- of treasure. And God has entrusted us with these things. So, so here's the question. What am I doing with what God has entrusted with, to me to advance God's kingdom? So what am I doing with my time, with my treasure, with my talent to advance God's kingdom to move forward? How am I using my time for the advancement of the gospel? How am I using my talent for the advancement of the gospel? How am I using my treasure for the advancement of the gospel? And sometimes in your spiritual journey, as you get serious about your faith, God is going to lead you to take steps that may seem a little risky. Because anytime we're walking into the world of the unknown, we're walking into a place of risk, Right? Anytime we're doing something we've never done and we're getting a little more serious about our faith, it's kind of like, whoa, this is scary. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if I can commit to that. But God says, I've given you your time, your treasure, your talent. I've entrusted that to you. And you can use those to advance the gospel. I don't know where God is leading you to take a step of faith and get out of your comfort zone. But I know this, that God has entrusted us with things, and his faithfulness implores us to move forward. Maybe what it looks like for you is it looks like for you to take a step by reordering your marriage God's way and say, I'm going to invest time into my marriage. Maybe it's getting more involved in the local church. Gary has told me how generous of a church you are. You guys are incredibly generous. But maybe, maybe God wants you to take a step in your generosity, in your treasure maybe in your life you've 
in your spiritual journey, you've been outside of your comfort zone for a while, and you're kind of ready to kind of take some steps back. And God says, just be faithful. Because sometimes the greatest act of faith in your life is to just be faithful. Sometimes the greatest act of your faith is just to be faithful, to keep doing what God has led you to do. These servants were just handling the resources that had been entrusted to them. But all these resources that had been entrusted to them had been entrusted by somebody that initiated, uh, by their faithfulness, gave them the resources and initiated what they were going to do with them. Every act of obedience we will ever take is first initiated by a faithful God that's given everything to us. As I wrap it up, have you ever um, had taken somebody's glasses, somebody else's glasses, and try to put them on? Oh, man, that's terrible. I, I had a friend, though. He actually said that he learned that he needed glasses because he put his friend's glasses on. And he was like, oh, I can actually see now. <laughs> but if you put, for the most part, you put somebody else's glasses on, it's like, whoa. Everything's blurry. Everything's kind of fuzzy. You can't really, sometimes, like, your eyes actually hurt. And I'm like, whoa, take these off of me. The last servant, he was wearing these glasses, we could say, with a distorted view of his master. He looked at his master and he said, man, you're mean. Man, you're unloving. Man, I, I, I can't trust you. You're oppressive to me. And he had these, these glasses on. Sometimes I think in our faith journey, the reason we don't want to take a step of faith is because we don't see the love and the faithfulness of our Heavenly Father. So we have these glasses on and we're like, man, you're mean. Man, you're oppressive. You're asking, what from me? No. This is what I invite you to do. I invite you to take the distorted glasses of our false views of God off and look at the cross of Calvary and look at what God's done for you and look at your heavenly father who's given everything for you and then when we see God for who he is and we see his faithfulness and we see what he's done our obedience that's a word our obedience is going to be radical because in light of that faithfulness there is nothing too great that I can do for him now, if you try to do things for God apart from looking at him, you're going to get discouraged and you're going to get burnt out. But if I'm looking at him and I'm letting his grace and his mercy flow through me, I'm going to say, God, what can I do for you? Our refusal in our lives sometimes to take steps of faith is an indictment on what we really believe. This morning... Is God calling you to take a step out of your comfort zone? Is there something that maybe maybe it's in your heart? It's just been kind of like a little stirring. Maybe there's like a ministry that God's leading you to get involved in. Maybe there's a a friend that you have that, and they don't know Jesus. Maybe just maybe invite him over for dinner. Maybe just invest in in your neighbor a little bit. I, I don't know. But I know this, that in our faith journey, For us to move forward, we're going to have to take a step outside of our comfort zone. Every step of faith you will ever take is 
first initiated by a faithful God. First initiated by a faithful God. But on the flip side, every step of faith we refuse to is an indictment our view of God. Let me pray for you this morning. Father, thank you for being faithful to us. God, I, there are so many, no doubt, spiritual needs in this room. I have no idea what all of them are. I have no idea where everybody is at in their life. But God, I just pray that as a church here in this building, in this house, that we would just see you accurately. I pray that those first two servants, that we would see your faithfulness. We would see you rightly. And Lord, that as we look at your faithfulness, that would be the catalyst that initiates our acts of faith for you. Lord, speak clearly as we just take this moment just to reflect. I pray for those that maybe they haven't put their faith in you. I pray whatever's holding them back, that today they would look to you and they'd put their faith and trust in you. They would lay those things aside that's holding them back and they would trust you. God, thank you for this incredible opportunity to gather to open up your word this morning. I ask this in Jesus' name.